Guys, it is spooky season here at the Messed Up at Midnight podcast, and we could not think of a better way to celebrate than our first ever Messed Up at Midnight double feature extravaganza. What does that mean? It means we are going to talk for the entire month of October about every single Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie for the entire month. We're not giving y'all one. We're giving y'all two episodes a week for the entire month of October where we talk about the original 1974 classic all the way to the Netflix-released 2022 movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are covering everything. All the good, all the bad, all the ugly, all the Matthew McConaughey that you did not know was involved in the Texas Chainsaw franchise. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be dropping, just as my co-host said, we're going to be dropping episodes on Wednesdays and episodes on Saturdays. It is going to be packed back to back to back. So if you guys want to watch us sort of endure this sort of torture of sorts, be sure to check out the Messed Up Midnight podcast over wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to follow us on socials, on Instagram and Twitter, and follow our YouTube channel where we post regularly. And uh, that's how you're going to get updates on this craziness of a month. Strap in. Guys, we will see you all there, and we hope that you survive. And welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and I don't know what possessed you to listen to today's episode, but I'm certainly glad you decided to listen in on another wonderful conversation. Today's guest is Faust, a haunted mask possessed by an imp of mischief, stories, and games, that has also decided to be a VTuber as well as be an author, among many other things in the art forms. This conversation I had with Faust was an absolutely fun one to have, though it's not an easy one to listen to. Mainly, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of technical issues going on with this episode. Something was wrong with Faust's mic to where it was cutting out, and like the first half of it, we tried with one mic, then we had to switch to a different mic. There was audio issues on my end as well. This, if I had to put it bluntly, was a nightmare of a recording session. But... I think this is still an absolutely fun episode to listen to. So I sincerely hope that despite all the issues, you take the chance to listen and enjoy. If you enjoy Faust, make sure you support them with all the links down in the description below, especially their Twitch stream. This is certainly something special, especially considering the fact that they will be re-debuting their model on October 31st. Huh, I wonder what's so significant about that day. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Leave five stars wherever you can. I see that stuff, and I love it from the bottom of my heart. Genuinely, thank you. If you want to go even further with that support, maybe you should consider repping some of the streetwear that you can find at the merch shop at pmap.creator-spring.com with some outstanding designs done by some wonderful artists, most of which, well, all of them, actually, being former guests on the podcast themselves. 
And hey, look, if you just want a cool place where you can join a community and get to talk about the wonderful art that you see present or talk about the cool artists that have been on this podcast, maybe you should consider being a part of the Discord server, the Artist Sanctuary. We've already developed a nice, fun group there, and I sincerely think you guys would have a fun time if you joined today. But now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. Real quick, just I just want to make sure, what all things are we going to be talking about? The stream, the writing, like... The main the, the, the main talking points I wanted to emphasize is because uh, I was looking through like your when I was doing my research and whatnot uh, the video games not necessarily the video games you had handed but like working in the industry and how that kind of made you uh, appreciate art or whatnot the the books mm-hmm. you've had a hand in writing or whatnot and what the writing process mm-hmm. is like for you and of course your endeavor mm-hmm. into VTubing developing the Faust character or whatnot all the different yes. aspects of yes. that. That's the major yes. three things. Everything outside of that or whatnot, it's it's fair game. Obviously, there's oh, the icebreaker got, questions and yeah. I've got I've got stories. So okay. <laughs> so we're leaning probably uh, a little bit more towards the hour and a half mark, I guess. <laughs> well, let's just put it this way, and I'm I'm not going to go into details. Until I'm just so how did you break into the industry? So it all started with a giant cape I wore for a weekend. Mm. Yes, there were sparkles. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> okay. Three, okay. two, one. I'm a huge fan of Friends. <laughs> Love it. All right, Faust, before we really get going, I must ask the icebreaker question of the podcast, if I may. Let's say you get to go to a deserted island on your own accord. It's just you alone with your thoughts. You get to kick back, relax, breathe. Get to truly enjoy yourself for a little bit. Yes. To help with whatever vibe you want to try to go with, you can bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you. Again, to get whatever mentality you want to go with. If given this opportunity, what would that one piece be? Just to vibe. It's 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 not. This isn't a thing that I need to survive. No, a, no, absolutely. Like it, I say, this island, but like you got the accommodations. Like you're not going to like go you okay, know, okay. crazy. Like you're not trying to like you know you don't need like how to build a fort for dummies or something like that. This is just like, it's a vacation more or less. Okay. Uh, then that would have to be my favorite film of all time, which is dark, preferably the director. Scott. I'm sorry. Say I got dark. What dark city, dark city. Okay. Okay. What is it about that movie that has more or less a special place in your heart? Uh, it is the first film I ever saw in the theaters nine times, nine times. That, uh, Nine times, um, so I'm in theater. Uh, yeah, that that uh, that kind of lets you know that I was way back in the year of 1980. So uh, <laughs> um, that I was able to see that film in the theaters nine times. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a phenomenal film. It really helped shape how I viewed storytelling. Okay. Um, uh, how, 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 if you've not seen it, uh, I highly recommend just watching the director's cut. Uh, I saw, of course, the theatrical release in the theaters. It still was one of my, it was still my favorite movie of all time. But, uh, finding out how much the studio had interfered in the vision and seeing what it was supposed to be reopened my eyes to how good that film was. 
when you say oh. like when you say like studio meddling or whatnot, is it similar to kind of like the was it the thief and the cobbler or whatnot? Just kind of the the things that they intrude onto it. Not that it made it bad, but like it was a completely different film with a director's cut. Uh, uh this was this was a very um cerebral film. Okay. Um, and people were expecting it to either be scary or sci-fi, uh, and it was more kind of like speculative weird fiction brought to life. Okay. Uh, and since people didn't, they, they basically showed this to completely the wrong test audiences and people were like, I didn't get it. And as such, uh, in the theatrical cut, uh, one of the side characters gives this monologue that's not suppo- that was never intended to be there, where they explain the twists of the film. Oh, that, so that, the, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, you know, um, you know, at first this happened. I'm not going to go into spoilers. I, the film is t- over 20 years old, but I'm not going to go into spoilers. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was kind of like, you know, if it's the first thing you see, like, okay, it's fine. This is what we're intending. But uh, uh, it is one of those films where, like, the main character's an amnesiac. Okay. And, you, and, and what was supposed to happen is... You were supposed to figure out what was happening with him at the same rate he was. With this monologue, you have like a breadth of information and you're watching him piece it together like it completely restructures the narrative of the film. Okay. Um, certain, yeah, certain, a lot of scenes were cut out because, you know, they were more there for the aesthetic. Mm. But this film is about the aesthetic. Okay. Uh, I I honestly say that Dark City is the answer to the question that was po- uh, for it was it was the question it was the answer to the question at the end of the 20th century to the question that was posed at the beginning of the 20th century by Metropolis. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I will be honest. I have not seen the film myself, but you describing it right there that little bit. I might, yeah. have to, I might have to take a little dive into that director's cut. It, it is, it is, it is definitely the metropolis of our of our generation. All right, you know, um, fair it's enough. a film that, yeah, a film that didn't necessarily do well in theaters, but has inspired so much stuff since then. Duly noted, but nevertheless, Dark City, the director's cut. That's your answer. You're locking yes. that in. I'm absolutely locking that in. If yeah. that's the case. I cannot think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Ragland. Uh, feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. You can support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PMAP. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> they are a haunted mask possessed by an imp of mischief stories and games that somehow found a way to be an incredible artist on multiple fronts. Welcome to the podcast, Faust! Hello everyone, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful, how about yourself? I'm doing fantastic, just here in my, uh, my, my newly renovated haunted home that's going to part of my debut mm. uh, this is actually my new model everyone on your podcast peek at things to come Ooh, just a little peek you you you're such a tease and yet you've already given us so much i'm already excited <laughs> <laughs> 
And I definitely want to divulge a lot into more of you and your aesthetic and everything because you really present yourself in an incredible way. And again, we will definitely divulge a lot more into that. But before we really go into what you're doing nowadays, I want to go back just a little bit, if I may. And uh, I want to know more or less the origin story of Faust or maybe the person behind Faust, depending on what this question. I want to know more or less the origin story. What got you interested in art in the first place? So I, uh, so this is a, a, this is a big long story. So uh, I, I will, I will be getting on my about it. So, uh, uh, um, how do I put this? So uh, when I was a teenager, I was an artist, constantly, constantly drawing. Um, I really, my, my first passion in life was I wanted to work in comics. I wanted to be a comic artist. Okay. Uh, the thing is, is my natural style, especially at the time, was a very dirty, scratchy, kind of that 90s indie style. Okay. Um, and, and the thing is, is like, that's a phenomenal style. I loved what I could do, but it wasn't what I was wanting to make. Okay. Uh, I wanted to make the very crisp, clean, uh, you know, because, you know, I was, I was a nerdy kid in the 90s who liked anime before it was like anime. <laughs> um, so I just started practicing, practicing, practicing. And uh, it took me years, but I finally got to the point where, you know, like I was doing a correspondence course for Hubert School. And, um, you know, uh, uh, you know I, was, I was getting commendations in high school for my art. Okay. And uh, I, I was getting ready to break into comics. Um, I was actually starting to like, you know, negotiate some stuff. Okay. Uh, but they they wanted to just see a little bit more before they gave me anything to do. Um, and that's when I started noticing my hands were acting up. Oh. I didn't know what it was. Um, and I found out that I have a condition that affects my fine motor skills. Uh, and I had to watch over the course of about six months as like like I can hold things fine, I you know it's it's the super fine motor skills that I love. So I had to watch my art skills go from just shy of being like good enough to like break into Marvel DC that sort of thing to what I would call fairly talented seventh grader. Mm. Um, and I fell into a deep depression, destroyed most of my art. because uh, it, it, it just hurt to look at stuff that. You know, realizing I couldn't do it anymore. Right. Um, right. And I know, I know. It's like you know. So tell us about this wonderful thing. But what ended up happening was, uh, I I still wanted to be involved in telling stories. Like right. I, it made me reevaluate what I wanted to do. And I wasn't quite sure. It's like you know, I wanted to work in video games because they tell stories. But I I didn't. You know, I wasn't able to afford to go to college, so I didn't know really what all happened there and then but yeah like i said so so i got into like i reevaluated you know what my passion was and it was just stories um i wanted to break into gaming i managed to do that um i did that for a few years uh, i'm actually trying to get back into gaming okay um but what i ended up doing was uh, i i got a job working for a publishing house okay uh and uh an indie publishing house and it really like I had thought, maybe I could write a book, stuff like that, and then, and then, reading what people were willing to sign their name to in 
Paula book, I realized, oh, I can absolutely do this. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, and this isn't me dunking on anything. I'm in, uh, but you know, you, you need to have, if you're going to become an author, you need to have realistic expectations for oneself. And I dealt with people who didn't. Um, I dealt with people who would write uh, a 20-page treatise on some random, you know, topic that was very ill, you know, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, Ill-conceived. Ill conceived. Ill-conceived, ill-researched, uh, and... Uh, and, and then wanted to know why they weren't making millions of dollars. And I'm like, well, let's see. Um, in 20 pages, I count 30 typos. Uh, your cover was made by you. And um, we're not going to go into the contents of your story, but that, that's not what a cantaloupe is for. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I love how you're like divulging into like, especially getting into like this part of it more than anything else. Cause again, I definitely want to divulge into that. I do just want to go back just a little bit, just a little bit back to, yeah. back to what you were talking about at the beginning of what got you really interested in the first place. Cause I want to divulge mm-hmm. just about comic books in the first place. Cause that being like, your oh, first I love love, what, what is it about comics that like creatively, like just captures your imagination? Uh, I mean, it's changed over the years. I mean, it was, you know, the first comics I ever read, Archie Comics Teenage Mutant. Okay. Like those oh, were, there you go. Those, those, those were my first ones. And it's because it was Ninja Turtles. <laughs> hey, it's, it's something Ninja Turtles I didn't have. And it, it's like the cartoon, except there's no commercials, except for some reason for Twinkies ads. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as, as I, you know, I, I graduated from TMNT to like X-Men. Um, and then I got into, uh, see a lot of people like their first to, um, what I would call like, like grown up comics, something like Sandman, Watchmen. Uh, mine was actually, uh, a lesser known comic, uh, that was, uh, uh Grant Morrison's take on, um, uh, from 1992. Sorry, can you say that again? You're that, right. I feel like I was like, Grant Morrison's uh, take on... Uh, Kid, uh, Kid Eternity. Kid Eternity. Uh, okay. From from nineteen ninety two. I did not realize comics one could be painted because I just thought it's like oh it's just super or oh it's just cartoons right. and this tackled very serious topics. But it, I mean, Kid Eternity is also a, a you know as a as a character is like a nineteen thirties hero that kind of went AWOL for about. Like DC Comics owned the rights to him, mm-hmm. but they never did anything with him. Okay. Um, and so this was basically a, you know, what happened to this character. And Grant Morrison, it was one of his first things he did. I think he did it right after he did his favorite take on Animal Man. Okay. And it was one of the darkest things I've ever read. That and Dark City. Okay. Okay, you know what? That's fair. That is very valid. And I mean, definitely seeing the stuff that you've definitely had a hand in as well and the stuff that you've certainly developed, hearing kind of their takes on that stuff and kind of the influence yeah. and the inspiration, the foundation of you more than anything else. I get that. I totally understand that. It, it must be 
it, I can only imagine, especially because the fact that, you know, comics, you can probably attest to this as someone that tried to be a part of it. Like the scope of them more than anything else can blow mm-hmm. a person's mind if given the opportunity to just go all out with it more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I will, I'll be honest. It's been, while I love stuff like the MCU, I, I really more appreciative of stuff like Netflix's take on Sandman or uh, the HBO Max uh, just because they are very like these are comics that 10 years you don't even try to adapt these to the screen like this won't work on the screen and now they're making it work on the screen yeah Um, but yeah like like that that was that was my, my whole thing on it like I love the MCU. I love Super. I love the interconnectedness of it. Uh, I appreciate what DC is trying to do. And, yeah. <laughs> but DC work. The thing is, is DC really works better as television. Yeah. You know, Marvel that's works fair. better. At, Marvel works better as movies. DC works better. As, and it, it's one of the reasons why, while I love the Disney Plus show, the reason why the like the Disney Plus MCU stuff works so well is because we've already had ten years of you know of the MCU in theaters to get us used to their narrative style, their characters, their actors, and then you know so so when we have look, it makes sense. If we would have had just without anything else, I mean beyond the fact that you know like fortune of how that shows or like WandaVision, you know. Um, like it would not have, it probably would not have stuck as much as it, as it, as it has. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I think that if DC had just bit the bullet and said, you know what, we're going to take the Arrowverse people and put them on the big screen. I think people would be far more receptive than just like, okay, well, we're going to have bat flack and <laughs> we're going to have this and we're going to have this and even though this one dude's been playing the Flash on TV for ten years, we're going to cast Ezra Miller. Uh, you know, like there's there was no reason for it. Right. right. Um, now I'll say this: I, I'm actually a fan of Henry Cavill. Oh yeah, Henry Cavill does a great uh, job with that Superman role. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and I think another good reason why it works well is because until recently they really didn't have a Superman in first, so. You know, it was a new thing. Right. Uh, sorry, I think I'm tangenting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's perfect. It's a podcast. I'm more than welcome. Yeah. I, I'm open when it comes to tangents more than anything else. We got to get to an hour yeah. somehow, right? No, I'm, j- I'm joking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I I did want to say, like, you know, knowing that kind of love and appreciation for the comics and whatnot, I, you said mm-hmm. yourself, like, you know, having to wonder, like, be so close to it or whatnot, and then having mm-hmm. what happened to you happen like that, I... I can understand why it was soul crushing more than anything else, but I do appreciate you persevering nevertheless and being able to find a creative outlet in one way or another, especially with the video games that we kind of more or less teased around more than anything else. I, I have to know what got you interested in going for video games as the new medium for you to, to let your creative input out. So the, the, the way that I broke into video action MMO City of Heroes, if you remember. MMO City of Heroes, okay. 
Um, I was actually a fairly well-known player uh, on that game. Uh, I was kind of, quote-unquote, like one of... There, there were two of us who were very well-known for, for, for doing kind of comedy stuff on the game. It was me and uh, another person. Uh, but I played an evil fashion designer on that game. I played a villain. Okay. Uh, 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 named uh, uh, Arbiter Fabulous. Uh, that's actually... Arbiter Fabulous is actually still my, my, my Twitter professional stuff. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, ima- imagine, like, you know, you because in City of Heroes, like, you're a hero, or you can... Villains are tied to this evil organization called Arachnos, which is kind of like Cobra, uh, except they're all spider-themed. And and I'm like, you know, someone had to uniforms. Someone had to design those uniforms. I'm going to play the design those uniforms. And so uh, uh, after after like binge watching a couple Saw films, and uh, uh, originally he was just the character that I was I was going to just do for a laugh uh, and and stand in the bar like 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 the role play bar in City of Heroes, okay. and just insult people's costumes because I was I, like my friends you know and I like. I, really do cool stuff with their costume editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it had a very robust character and costume creation system. And so I would, I would just like call people out um, over, their, over their costumes and just drag them. And then, and then the thing is, is that there was a costume editor contact in the bar. And what ended up happening was I would just like, you know, go off on someone like, you know, like what the hell are, you know, what the hell are you wearing? Um, you know, I'm trying to think of like a good, I, I, it's hard for me to get back into that character. It's been like 10 years. Fair enough. Um, well, it's like, who, you know, but, like, uh, like, you know, who exactly designed you a, a traffic cone or something along the lines of that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like, I like, 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 like I was just being catty and fun, but, uh, but what ended up happening is, is like people would actually leave. And then come back five minutes later, and they had done the adjustments I had had. Oh, wow. And then the next thing you knew, I had a line going around the bar to come up, have me look at them, insult them, tell them how to change. They would run and get their costume changed. And then a thing on the forums happened where it's like, this is the most fun role-playing I've had in years. Um... (laughs) At which point, there was a player run and developer sent a newsletter called The City And they inquired if I would be willing to write. And I said, absolutely. It's like, you know, kid, you know, like, like all I ask is that people are able to write to me saying, this is what my costume looks like, this is my inspiration. Send me a screenshot of their character and I will redesign Um you know, and, and send them the costume file so that they know what to for. Okay. And, 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 and uh, apparently it quickly became the most popular article in, uh, on the City Scoop within a few weeks. Like, like, it became the reason why people read it. And so that was like my first foray into like semi-professional writing. Um, so cut to 2009, and City of Heroes was having HeroCon uh, uh, in San Jose. Um, and my editor-in-chief uh, was a co- like actually made costumes for like SCA events. 
Okay. And as a like like as a gift, she's like, I need your measurements. And I'm like, why? It's like, I'm going to make you the Arbiter Fabulous costume. At least a, you know, business casual version of it because honey, I've seen you, you won't look good. And I like um and uh and so like it involved this like six foot long hot pink cape with sparkles <laughs> with this like like you, you know how like Doctor Strange has collar in the comics like yep. movies like it puts that to shame oh wow um, and I and I'm a large person like I'm six foot five you know in real life and oh, wow. this this thing billowed and flowed around me. Uh, and I said like you know you have to understand that if I put on this costume and get into character. I am not leaving character all weekend. And she just started, <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> so so uh, things come around, uh, uh, you know, I like day one, I go around, uh, I'm not in the costume. I said like, you know, it was great seeing you all. I guess I'll see you Sunday. And they're like, you're leaving. You'll understand in like 30 minutes. And I go upstairs, blast a little Brittany, because it helped me get into character. Brittany and Pet Shop Boys um, put on the costume, and I head downstairs, and I am just holding court from that moment on for three days. <laughs> I, I, I have this awesome room party. Like, there may actually be YouTube footage of this somewhere. Uh, where like everyone's like, oh, you know, I mean, it's like you know, we're 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 all nerds, we're all geeks, but like like I am just like going up there, and you know, you know, I, I like 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 there was almost no pleasantries. Like I start roasting the, I start roasting devs at their own Q and A, completely in character, and they're like, oh god, it actually is our crap. <laughs> Who brought him here? <laughs> um. But you know, like you know, it. But like I, I like we, myself, my friends, like we were just trying to be, you know, like like we weren't being, like we were, you know, we were like there was a there was a cattiness to it, but it was all it was all the the the, the, the you know it was all done from a place of love. Yeah, it was all in good uh, fun. More nice, I guess at the end. It of was day. it was all in good fun. It was all in good fun. Um, and at the end of the convention, you know, after you know, like doing, you know, like and stuff and doing lots of photos uh there you know and, and hosting a rather spectacular uh room party um uh how do i put this uh they announced that they were going to like the five pinnacles of the community which are basically like the five player of the year awards and i was one of them oh wow and, like and and like i wasn't expecting because i'm like there's people who are writing guides. There's people who, you know, who who are running like high end dungeons and raids consistently. There are people who are like far more, as far as I can concern, far more than to me. And I'm like, my job is to tell people that they look bad. <laughs> you know, you know, my job is to tell people that that doesn't work. I was evil Edna Mode from the Inquisitors, <laughs> um, and, and and like and and like I got a standing ovation. You know, once the con was over, like I got to 
talk with the devs and I learned about community management. Okay. Because uh, I did not know that this was a, I didn't know that this was even a position. I didn't know that this was a job. I just thought that, you know, like, oh, being on the forums is just something dev has to do because, you know, like, no, no, that's actually a position. I'm like, so your job is to help the studio tell its story to the audience as well as being the voice for the community to the devs. And I'm like, oh, hell, I want to do that. Like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> All right. I packed up and moved to San Jose. My current, like, like my current, well, I'm current husband, my husband, my only husband. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, this, but again, like this was 2010, so in Tennessee. Mm. Uh, like, I was just like, I have to, like, please just give me a year to try and break it. I have to chase this. Um, and, and he was really nervous about this because like we, 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 we had a house like, like, and here I was like, I need to move, you know, to the West coast to dream. So I moved cross country. Uh, and that's how I broke into was, uh, uh, was, uh, I started in QA, uh, at Mexico. um, uh, worked my way up and then, uh, found out, uh, Paragon Studios heroes one of the members uh needed to go on um like a sabbatical for a few months and they brought me on so i actually got to work on my dream game there you go so so like that's actually so so people are like uh you know did you go to college for this did this involve a lot of you know like like research and development and and okay so what i did is i got kind of drunk put on a pink cape and insulted my future employer for three days. <laughs> That's how I broke in. I, I just, I, I'd say you're living the dream right there. <laughs> you see where that? I was living the dream right then and there. <laughs> hey everyone, this is a uh, Nathan or post in, well, post production. But um, I know I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but I just wanted to pop in here real quickly to let you know that there was really bad technical issues. I'm sure you probably noticed with some of the mic cutting out or whatnot here and there. Um, it was at this point where we realized that it was getting like really bad, really choppy. So we disconnected stuff. We reconnected stuff. Faust implemented a new microphone. So he's going to sound a little bit different. Hopefully though, you'll still be able to enjoy the rest of the episode because there wasn't as many technical difficulties from this point forward. Sorry for the interruption. Let's get you back to the episode. I imagine for you, it has to be like, it has to be incredible more than anything else for you. Considering the fact that like, again, this was the game that more or less like got you, like helped you through like this weird part of your life more than anything else. And then getting a chance to really go into video games, full circle, being able to, to, work on the game as well and be able to tell that narrative like that has to be like surreal more than anything else oh it was phenomenal i mean i remember my first day walking down the hall uh to go into the studio once because like i had been to the studio before for like uh private demos you know like i i was i was like one of the more recognize or i would say like one of the more trusted members of the community so if there was a we want to do like a super closed beta uh you know we want to get like a feed like a focus group like i was one of the people that they would contact okay um and 
you know. But at the same time, as much as we were trusted, uh, when you went to the studio, like you could sit in the lobby of the studio, but there was this hallway leading to where the computers and, and the offices were, and there was this big sign above it that was uh, a, a blown-up uh, version of the uh, the signs that would go into a hazard zone in the game. Like they actually put that there. Oh wow! And after and after my my interview for the position, um, and uh, my dear friend Andy Belford, who who was the head community manager uh, then, um, like okay, well let's show you the office. And I'm like what? And I'm like you you got it. You got you got the job. Like walking down that hallway and seeing it for the first time, like it was something that stuck with me forever. Um, but no, it was it was actually like technically my first paid writing gig now admittedly you know you know if I, you know when i was a game master at, at on eden eternal stuff like that um you know you know writing forum posts you know technically that's paid writing but mm-hmm. uh there was an event con uh, event that they wanted to do uh they wanted to do, kind of do a parody of, of shark week okay. and one of the one of the signature villains of the game was a uh, was a villain named Captain Mako, who was like a mutant shark man. And so I had like an ins- I, I still do probably uh, an encyclopedic knowledge of the lore of the game. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, how about if I write like Captain Mako week? We'll just make it like you know a five day event. You get a little bit of lore each t- you know each day. Uh, it's nothing, it's nothing super serious, uh, you know, and we'll just like, you know, like, okay, well, you know, you know, a bunch of shark men are going to attack, you know, a bunch of villains are going to attack the city, uh, and a giant octopus is going to attack the city, and then we'll have people beat up Captain Mako, and we'll, we'll jump in game and play as the characters. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I, and I wrote, and I wrote Captain Mako week, uh, and, and I believe that that is actually still available on some wikis. Okay. Uh, uh, fun fact: I uh, once I was done, um, dumbass that I was, my, my my boss was like, you know, this is really good, but can you write like a second version, like a completely different one? And what I didn't know is that he really liked the one that I did and wanted me to write like a, a slightly less good version, just to basically upsell the one that I had written. And and I I went like completely grim dark on the second one. I delved into like super deep lore because I thought that he, I thought that this was too much fluff. And I'm like, oh, they want me to really add to the lore. So like, here I am like bringing out like villains and connections from like you know like you know early game and stuff from the novelizations. And he's really like like this this wasn't what I like like kind of like oh crap this is amazing but like. We can't actually use this because <laughs> it might actually affect the game's lore now. Oh, no. It's nice to know that you have so much of an impact that you might mess up the story. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like it's like you know, like you've actually like solved a a loophole that we were like wanting to to possibly close at a later time because timelines don't match between these two alternate realities and. Oh my God! This completely makes sense. No, we're gonna go with the one where you turn the shark man into a brony at the end, <laughs> <laughs> which actually was the was the end of Captain Mako because Captain Mako decided he was going to shed every last bit of his humanity, da da da, you know all this, and then like right before he ends, uh, on on, the, on his TV, magical dream unicorns comes on. 
30 minutes later, okay, I'll keep a small piece of my humanity. <laughs> and like sets, sets like a TiVo for next week. <laughs> oh, goodness. That, that, that is incredible to hear. Like, I know if I had the opportunity to, to affect even like anything remotely like that or whatnot, it, it, I would just be in like heaven. The fact that you got to be a part of it and basically influence a major part of it more than anything else. Like I can only imagine, like, especially that and like your experience with video games, like, and the fact that you got to live out part of that creativity that you kind of lost with the comic book things more than anything else. That has to be again, like mm -hmm. surreal to be a part of that, even in the first place. Mm -hmm. It was, it was phenomenal. Um, and you know, like I said, is, is, is having done a bit of writing here and there. And it was really more of a hot, like, you know, and, 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 you know, I had ideas for comics and, and stories and stuff when I was a teenager. And a lot of those kind of, Oh, pardon me. Uh, you know, some of that stuff got adapted later on, uh, my actual book publishing stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, like it was, it was the, the, the whole thing where, you know, I wanted to work in comics and then I couldn't. So I wanted to break into video games so I played the comic book video game and then got to write the lore on a very small, goofy level, you know, very surface, glossy level on the superhero video game that I finally got to work on. Like, it was this whole sort of whole, like, full circle thing and really got me, like, like I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I love working in community management. I'm, I'm actually trying to find another gig right now. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping to hear back from uh, from a, uh, we'll just say a major franchise. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to hear back from them, but I don't know. Because uh, you see, the next chapter in my life is, is, you thought that that was weird? Wait till you hear about when I started <laughs> book publishing. <laughs> okay. We'll definitely keep an ear close to the ground knowing that you're not fully out of the video game um <laughs> but i i do appreciate the fact that you were able to have a a re regardless incredible chapter but again you know when, with most books it's not just one chapter there are multiple chapters and for this next yeah. question i want to know about i don't know if it's within the same vein but at least like the next chapter which for you was a continuation of writing getting actually to write, be able to write and publish your own books, uh, mm -hmm. which I think is absolutely incredible. Uh, what exactly gave you the idea to go into book publishing in the first place? So my roommate, um, was already working for this company. Mm -hmm. Uh, he would, and, and he was what was known as a vetter that ended up being my job as well. Uh, it's sort of like QA for Kindle books. Okay. Now, when I was working at Paragon, it was meant to be a short-term contract. Uh, I, I had no preconceived notions that they would keep me on. Uh, apparently, they wanted to keep me on. They just didn't have it in the budget to keep me. So I was already looking for another job okay. um, with, with the hope that, like, this is something I could do temporarily until the budget would allow me to possibly go back to Paragon. Um, sadly, uh, and so... Uh, with with this other job, I'm not going to name the company, it, 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 the pub, uh, book publishing uh, house. They're still technically around. Uh, they recently got bought out. Okay. Uh, but they but but they're still technically around. Um. But you know, I have a really big knack for pattern recognitions and okay. and and the the 
vetting Kindle books effectively or vetting eBooks. It, I just use Kindle because it's more recognizable, <laughs> more in more recognizable term. But generally, actually, Kindle was like the one thing we didn't do because that's all Amazon. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, it is all pattern recognition. It's all noticing, you know, like, oh, well, you know, your margins are wrong, your your font sizes are incorrect, stuff like that. Um, and so I sold, shoulder surfed him for the better part. I'd actually found a couple errors on their website just passively. And, you know, whenever he would have like a big, uh, like a company party to go to and got a plus one, he'd just bring me along. So I already knew a majority of his coworkers got along fairly well. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was the goofy roommate who, who worked on the video game. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, so when I found out that an opening happened, he, he basically, you know, go, go sign up. Uh, I got my interview, was pretty much almost instantly offered a job. Nice. Um, oh, it was a phenomenal job. Paid very well. It, it paid it paid moderately well for, for San Jose, because um, that's, where, that's where I was located. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually, like, my last day at Paragon, Friday, and my first day at this, this publishing house was the Monday after. Like, I had dovetailed perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and again, like the whole point was like, I'm going to be here for a bit, you know, it's like, you know, listen, my passion management. I've kind of graduated from really having a focus on QA. And um, they said, well, everyone does vetting for at least kind of figure out where they're best. And, right. you know, if social media management and community is your thing, then that's what, that's what we'll have you do. Uh, if we, if we determine that we can work with that. Um, Needless to say, I kind of was so good of a vetter that they want me to do anything else. Uh, <laughs> it, it was it, it was like like hindsight twenty twenty. Um, I probably should not have stayed at that job as long as I did because becoming a community manager was a carrot on a stick that they used to keep me going. Mm. Um, but I, but I was their highest, I was their highest performer on the vetting team for years. Okay. Uh, um, but I, but like at the same time, like I also got to, you know, that's where I, I built like network of people because, you know, although it's indie publishing, a lot of big name authors, once they get the rights back to older books of their, of their libraries, uh, you know, book books that are just not going to be kept being reprinted, uh, you know, they, they still want to be able to put those books out somewhere. And so a lot of them, uh, you know, came to us. Uh, I will still say that probably my saddest working there was within my first two months. And uh, I had to write a rejection letter uh, with the three words I never, ever want to write a rejection letter with again. Uh, my rejection letter started with Dear Clive Barker. Oh. 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 And it was fine because it's it's basically it was one of his more famous books from the past. Mm-hmm. Whoever was assigned to format it did a really bad job. You know, sent the rejection letter. It got it got fixed. Got sent back. The I tagged it for myself. I verified it. It was fine. Um, you know, but you know, it wasn't. You know, you know, a few big name authors. You know, did go through us, but mostly this was a bunch of, you know, mom and pops and, you know, geeks and what have you, who just, everyone has a story inside of them. 
And, you know, I realized that, you know, again, like my passion is I love stories. I want to help people tell stories. This is a way for me to make sure that people are telling the best story that they can, you know, yeah. that it's at least the most presentable. Um, you know, I couldn't, I, I, I was not an editor. I did not judge based on, because trust me, if I did, none of those books would have made it. Um, You know, because again, indie indie has some indie publishing is phenomenal mm-hmm. if you put in the work, if you have the give a damn. Yep. If you know, you know, and, and it sucks because you know people are like, well, I can't afford you know an expensive cover. It's fine. You don't need an expensive cover. You just shouldn't look like you have a cheap cover. You need yeah. to be able to fake it. Or you um, know, maybe the you know, maybe the cheap cover is part of the gimmick. Look at Chuck Tingle. Anyways, um... <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I am talking about, like, people who literally threw something together in MS painted. Okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair well, enough. Yeah, and, th- and that's that's the thing, like, like uh, I could, I, like, I could probably share with you uh, some covers that, that I saved just for sheer posterity. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of Chuck Tingle, I actually got to briefly work with him there. Really? Uh, yes. Uh, Chuck Tingle is a phenomenal, wonderful author to work with, and uh, I will say this, um, as an admin, yes, I know. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, people are like, oh, who's Chuck Tingle? I'm like, I will say. I will never, ever say uh, one that would probably violate every ND unknown uh, to man. Two, you should not peek behind that curtain. No, no, you no should not. No one should. Because the best part about working with Chuck Tingle is even in professional correspondence, Chuck is completely in character. Oh, the, wow. It is, it is not an act <laughs> for Twitter. It is not an act for publicity. Chuck Tingle is a phenomenal individual, and I take everything I know, every secret grave. Um, Chuck deserves no less. Okay. You know what? Do hey, I have nothing but respect for the guy because in fact that he's been able to put yeah. out how many books or whatnot, and like, oh, <laughs> oh you think that? No, oh, Chuck Tingle almost single-handedly took down. I mean, they're not they're not technically gone in in the same way that the organization I'm about to references. And this the warning this gets slightly political here, but Chuck Tingle almost single-handedly took down the literary equivalent of Gamergate. Oh, wow. Because they weren't just, they weren't expecting this. <laughs> uh, if, if I, I won't go into this because this is, if you want me to talk to you about this after, after the stream, because you know, it's awesome, but uh, just look up Chuck Tingle versus the rabid puppies, which is the, the name puppies. of the, the, they were an offshoot of a group called the sad puppies. Uh, I'm going to end up telling this story. I'm sorry. I'm going to end up telling this. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, but, you know, for people who don't know, uh, in sci-fi, there is a group of very similar Gamergate. Uh, you know, kind of sad. They're called the sad puppies. I don't know why. But they're generally like, we want sci-fi the way it be. Uh, you know, we want it more pulpy. We want it more, you know. And, and there's nothing wrong with pulp era sci-fi. I happen to but it's the fact that you're complaining that other people get voices is what I, you know, get voices. It's popular. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry. If the thing isn't popular, it's not popular. 
you know, I, I, I have a deep appreciation for pulp. Like, I love pulp era comics, you know. Um, you know, but at the same time, like, you know, times change, you know, audiences change. You cannot expect the same thing to sell indefinitely. Right. Um, you need to be able to move. You need to be able to move times. Uh, and then and, and again, like you will always have an audience for that stuff. But it was again, like they were very, you know, blow. So the rabbit puppies were their more extremist side of things. And <laughs> they decided that the Hugo Awards uh, from at Worldcon were going to be their big target. Mm. Uh, and the way that one gets nominated for the awards is, is by popular vote. Oh. Uh, so anyone can be anyone can be nominated for a Hugo, and that's one of the reasons why I love the uh, But they decided that since Chuck Tingle wrote a book called Space Raptor Butt Invasion, I'm not joking, uh, uh, that they were going to basically spam the nominations for, like, best short story or best novel, I think, uh, with Chuck Tingle and get him to win because, well, if Chuck Tingle wins a Hugo... Uh, and he's like the weird, you know, you know, anyone who knows Chuck Tingle knows the sort of stuff that he writes. Yep, yep. Uh, but it's like that deal that would delegitimize, and as such, you know, you know, you know, it delegitimizes everyone else who ever that point. The thing is, is they didn't understand that Chuck Tingle is a freaking genius. Yep. And it's also not the first time that someone has been malicious given a Hugo nomination. <laughs> Generally speaking, in, pub in the publishing circles, when people get maliciously nominated, they will graciously retract their own nomination, be like, I, I, I'm very honored, but I know why this was done. Um, I don't want to do anything for, you know, I don't want to possibly harm the Hugo Awards. Right, right. Uh, Chuck took a completely different approach. <laughs> uh, he leaned into it, and he decided we're playing Chuck. Um, he, uh, he's like, I gladly accept this. However, I am a very private person who is also a doctor. And as such, I will not be able to attend. However, uh, should I win? Uh, my good friend Zoe will, will take the stage and deliver my acceptance speech for me. And the rabid puppies freaked the hell out because, <laughs> oh, crap. He just called it like, like no one's ever actually called the bluff before, let alone been able to follow it up. It's like, we've got this mobilized for him to win. And if we do, we're going to be putting someone with the completely opposite, you know, political agenda on stage. Yep. And it'd be and it, it, like, 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 oh, God, we just showed on top of that. Uh, and I believe this has since been taken down, but they had never actually claimed their own website. Oh. So Chuck Tingle bought the website. I think it was like rabbitpuppies.com. I don't think that that website's around anymore. You might be able to find it on archive.com. Um, but he turned half of the website uh, into a place to learn about the other nominees. So okay. with links for them because you know everyone you know like like hey you know like this you're here because you probably got this these people are phenomenal authors you should totally read their books and vote for them if you like them uh the other portion of it was a bunch of links to charities to raise money for libraries because not everyone has access 
to, to books, and this way more people can get books. Uh, and then the other half of the website uh, was a gay shrine to Channing Tatum. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and, and, and so, like, within it, because Chuck Tingle, like, he's got that. So within a couple, like, within a week, if you looked up rabbit puppies, you started finding, you know, like, you know, like, some voices and charities for, for these libraries and also a lot of shirtless pics of Channing Tatum. And you and he buried them. Yep. Um, and so, uh, like, the next year, kind of as a, as a lot of people, uh, like, sincerely nominated another one of his short stories uh, for a Hugo. So now he actually puts on, he's two-time Hugo nominated. Uh, and, and here's the thing, as someone who's had to work on his books, while the content of his books are a little bit, shall we say, ridiculous, they are actually very well written. He is a phenomenal author. Uh, and actually recently at, I want to say it was the uh, Comic-Con, um, uh, he's actually gotten now a mainstream contract with four books uh, where he, he, he does actually like to dabble in. And uh, he is, he is, he's got a two-book contract with where he is writing uh, two books with inclusive voices uh, uh uh, that will be published traditionally in bookstores. Like this is like he is kind of he he's moving to like kind of the next phase <laughs> while still doing the the sort of like weird erotica. <laughs> um, but yeah, like like it's 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 really like like Chuck's a phenomenal individual to work with. I'm not gonna lie, going into this interview, I didn't think we'd go on to a full on discussion about Chuck Tingle. I thought I was gonna make the joke and move on. <laughs> I'm actually going to be doing a thing on my stream called Tingler Tuesdays where I have a costume where I become a Chuck Tingle book and I will be reading Chuck Tingle books on my stream because so, he's also given blanket permission for streamers to read his books on on streams. Well, there you so go. So it's not so it's not a it's not a DMCA thing. Well, there you go. So that, in other words, we got to turn in a couple days or whatnot and maybe we'll see one of them. But yeah. Back to the the book aspect of what yes. I, 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 yes. I, yes. Sorry. I imagine working along the likes, you know, with the likes of Chuck Tingle and all these other people and helping them like get their books better. Yes. Or I imagine that must have gave you at least a spark of inspiration for you to go forward oh, and create absolutely. your own books. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like the way that I found one of my, my cover artists, uh, the way that I found my cover artists were, were through, indie publishing i would i would find a book i'm like that's a really amazing uh cover and i write down the like i'd look in about page uh you know in the in the, in the legalese and i'm like okay tom edwards designs montos lapas um you know and you know the covers by raven and and uh i i would uh i take notes on this and i would uh, you know i got to see the trends and i've always been a fan of urban fantasy stuff like uh dresden uh, you know, uh, uh, such not. Um, and I'm like, you know, I've had these stories for a while, you know, play the heroes, just, you know, the, you know, ideas of characters that have been bouncing around in my head since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I know that I'm a better author than, it, than, than a decent chunk of the people whose books I'm, I'm getting because it, it's, it's, there's a lot of, and, and, and I, and I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, oh, hardy-toity, and these people don't know what they're doing, but, you know, I got to peek behind the curtain. Like, I, you know, I had access to resources about authorship and metrics 
that these people didn't like. They thought that they were making these phenomenal things for Absolute Passion Project. Mm -hmm. And these are not like people who were like, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars off of off of this pamphlet. Right. Um, a couple of them did. Uh, a couple of them were thinking that. But like, you know, I I knew what pitfalls to avoid because I was looking like at, at, at 200 bucks a day. Okay. And, you know, after a while, you start realizing this is... These are the things that are happening in the books that aren't doing well. These are the things that are going on in the books that are doing well. Um, and I, again, like I was starting to make contact and network. Um, and so I wrote uh, a, a concept that I've been wanting to do since I was uh, is is my first book series, The Gear Witch Investigation. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first book I wrote uh, took me about a year, I think, called The Art of Madness. Yep. Um, and the thing about the Gearwich, the Gearwich books are, uh, they are a non-linear, um, like I tell the books out of order and one of the main reasons why is, uh, I want any book to be picked up and be accessible as the first book. Okay. Um, like I, I was highly inspired by Pratchett, Terry Pratchett's Discworld series, mm -hmm. where it may help to read books in a certain order, but at no point are you required to read this book before this book in order to fully understand what's going on. Right. right. Um, and, and at the same time, like, you know, I, I kind of love the concept of people are talking about things and you don't know. That's how, whenever you meet someone new anyways, that's how it is. Everyone that you meet has a history you don't know about. And through like being around them and through conclusive context, you find out what they're like, you know, like, like what these other things were. Um, and, uh, I, I remember I was at Starbucks one time and I was about, oh yeah, it's, it's completely nonlinear. And, you know, the first book is actually about a through the saga and some, I, I don't want to say hipster jackass, but some hipster jackass, just like, I couldn't overhelp, but, you know, hear what you're saying. It's like, I, I don't, I don't think you know what you're you know, you know, I want you to name me one IP where the stories are told out of order. And I just stopped. I looked, leaned in. I went, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and that shut him the hell up. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're <laughs> absolutely not wrong. And I fucking love that. <laughs> It's like, there's, it's like, we start this entire saga with a trilogy we don't even know that. <laughs> I mean, tech, I mean, technically, and I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of storyteller anymore, but I mean, if, if you're talking the gaming equivalent, Five Nights at Freddy. Yeah. Like, yeah. people are, people are trying to still figure out that. <laughs> um, and, and the other reason why I wanted to do it was not just by Pratchett and the fact that storytelling, but it's the fact that I fucking hate fan wikis. Oh. Uh, I don't want to like, I don't, and, and there's nothing wrong with them. They're on, I browse fan wikis all the time, but the idea of like, I finally written the 15th book in the series and someone's like, well, what happened to the, what happened before that? And I'm like, oh, well, the, here's the books. You should totally read these books. It's like, actually, I'm going to spend two hours on wiki, on, on Wikipedia and I'll just, myself up and I'm like well I'm glad I spent years writing all those 
Hope you like books. God damn. So now it's going to be like, you know, like I'm going to write a thing and I'll drop a little hint at something that's to come or something that happened before. And like 10 books later, I'll be able to be like, oh, what that was about. Um, (laughs) And this also allows me to uh, be able to tell a narrative uh, for two different, uh, tell two different narratives to two different audiences. Right. Um, Once the series is over, people will be able to read the books one through however many they're going to be. And I know it. Um, And then there'll be the people who read it in the order of release. Uh, Much in the same way that Narnia has, has that. Narnia was also told uh, out of order. I I think the line, the witch and the wardrobe is like three or four technically on the timeline. It might actually be that. Um, uh, but yeah, like that, that was like, like almost everyone I worked with, uh, at that company, uh, had actually at least published one book, um, just because they'd been, they'd been working around books for so long. Like, hey, I could do that. you know, some of them did fairly well, some of them not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's like, like now I, like, side gig is technically novelist. No, there you go. So I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know, especially with the 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 series that you were talking about with the art of madness and all the always machine as well with those books. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, and always machine is book two in release and takes place significantly before the first book that was. Oh. Uh, and 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 it's yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's like book two. Uh, the main character Phoenix is an adult. Uh, in or or in art of madness, Phoenix adult. Uh, in always machine, Phoenix is a teenager. Okay. So you, you you kind of figure out why he is the way he is a bit for book two because some people are like he he acts a bit strange and and quirky and I like that and this explains kind of why he's exactly exactly and it's incredible more than anything else like again knowing kind of how your mind is working to like craft these stories more than anything else like I what is the process for you whenever developing a story let alone like a universe like this. Um, well, the thing is, is I try to let the stories be about people. Okay. Um, because the thing is, is it, it is one of the first pitfalls that and I fell into this big time. Uh, one of my editors, uh, Julie, uh, like had to knock some sense into me and it, and it, and it felt horrible because like, I, I didn't want to listen at first, but the thing is, is the universe that your characters are in are not a character. Um, as much as we want the world to be a character, uh, they aren't. Even in stuff like Disc, where literally the world is a character, mm-hmm. uh, the world is not a character. Um, uh, you know, stories are about people. And if you're just trying to paint a landscape without action, without anything about it, I mean, you can absolutely be like, I love this storytelling. I love the sort of characters this person creates in this universe. You know, I love the world that they've crafted. I will buy a side saga world just because I'm invested in it. But you're not reading it for the world. You're reading it for the, the action of the characters. Right. Um, and that's that's that that's really what I what I, I had to do. Like the the, the, the Gearwitch universe is one where I kind of low key address things that kind of don't like in urban fantasy, mm-hmm. which is primarily everything is a secret war in the shadows. Um, uh, you know, it, it was like my big take on like, like why I also 
like the movie franchise because it's like, oh, no one can ever know about. Everyone has a freaking camera on there. Like, there is no way, you know, you're going to have a secret war in the shadows of vampires and wolves or superpowered beings. Like, it's gonna get, it's gonna get leaked. Yep. Like, you know, if something set, you know, before 1980, as far as I'm um, then that's a possibility. But any modern urban fantasy, this stuff is going to be known about. So I leaned into that. So in the Gear Witch universe, the supernatural and the superpowered are both known about. There is no secret war. It's common knowledge. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've stated in the past that, like, you know, be no Superman in the Gear Witch universe. Um, Clark Kent would either be a reporter because he loves being a reporter or he would probably be a construction worker because a person who can lift several thousand tons and weld with his eyes could probably fetch a decent paycheck for his skill set. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and then, and then, you know, you have the main character, Phoenix McGee, who actually is the one kind of like he doesn't fit the mold. Mm. Uh, he is the one person who has powers that they do not show up on any because he's actually something different. So the supernatural in in the Gearwitch universe are known as Stygis. The superpowered are known as Omnis. Uh, he is he is sort of this third thing that is not detected. So he has all the benefits of being a powered being. But he also has none of the protections, okay. and that's where his issue—that's where his issues are—is the fact that like he can do all of these things, but if he gets in trouble, like he's got no defense against anything. Right. Um, he does—he does not have, you know, he does—he is not registered to have power. Um, he so that—that's—that's uh, that's his big thing. There you um, go. And I, I could tell, especially like going back to like what we were talking about in the first place at the beginning of this interview with the the comic books or whatnot, like that having a yeah. major influence when it comes to your writing as well. And I imagine that also has a, a major influence to your other book series that you've got yes, rolling as well, Animatropolis. Where did this yes. concept come from, if I may ask? Um, I've always been a fan of of cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, huge, huge animation geek. Uh. And I've always kind of, I don't want to say an adult version of Roger Rabbit, um, but I wanted something where uh, I kind of subvert that concept. Uh, and a lot of people immediately go, oh, well, that's Cool World. And I'm like, well, no, because Cool World is probably, if, if any of you know animation history, uh, Cool World was a movie that was finished out of spite. Uh, after serious, serious studio interference. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're talking people worked on painting backgrounds for a year and day one of, of filming, I believe that like, people were just handed a new script that no one signed off on. Like, by the way, the fear. And uh, Ralph Bakshi, the director, like, you don't do that to Ralph. He, yeah. he will, he will, he will, he is can be a spiteful man and i respect him for that absolutely um but like i wanted a world where you know you had the humans together much like roger rabbit but i i wanted it for people who grew up with roger rabbit you know i wanted it you know i didn't want it to be 
like a lot of, so, you know, how do I put this? A lot of quote unquote, um, adult cartoons just kind of lead into foul humor mm-hmm. while still, you know, like sausage party, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I, I would say Rick and Morty, but the thing is they actually kind of deep issues now and then. I'm just not a big fan of the fandom Yeah. Um, on the whole. But like, like, like Rick and Morty's not a bad show. It's just, uh, I don't want to ever talk about Rick public because then you get quote-unquote the fans <laughs> um but you know I, I wanted a story that 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 dealt the sort of stuff that i love like i i'm a huge fan of cartoons i'm a huge fan of horror mm-hmm. uh, particularly some cronenberg body horror and i'm like how can i mix these two together and i'm like okay, we have a dude who gets turned into a cartoon in a world where humans and, and tunes live side by side and i want it to be absolutely horrifying um, I want it to be, because everyone's like, oh, I want to be a cartoon when I grow up. And it's like, what if that happened? Like, what would that actually be? And And it's it's not pleasant. Like, you know, no one would really want to have an anvil honestly dropped and crushing them. I mean, I'm sure some people do, but, you know, aside, <laughs> but, but <laughs> um, you know, like, like it, it, it's, it's, you know, I try to address, like, what it would be like and you know again like there's body horror it's 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 wild it's it's probably the most violent ever um i mean it, it's it's it goes places like yeah. it's 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 actually the first time i think i've ever written a sex scene <laughs> um which was which actually led into to some hilarity because my uh, for the audiobook is a huge animation geek. He's actually the same person, uh, Art of Madness. And um, when I went and, and I when I found out that he was a huge animation geek, uh, he's like, "Please let me narrate this." I'm like, "Of course!" Like you're the first person I went to, and he narrated it kind of like, "Dude, dude, these are cartoon characters, and you like cartoons? Like, give them silly voices." And he turned the book almost play. But uh, once it was over, he posted on his Facebook, being an audiobook narrator means sometimes you have to record a male, a, a, a human male on cartoon Fox sex scene and make it sound romantic. And I'm like, just because you complained about this, they're going to a BDSM session. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, and, no. It's freaking, and I'm like, I am, and I said, it's like, I am adding a sex every book now just because you did that <laughs> Jesus like that was going to be like just the one off and I'm like no this is now a thing congratulations <laughs> and you and you said cool world was made out of spite uh- <laughs> oh god, oh, god. <laughs> no that, I I gotta say like the way that your mind is working with both these concepts that you're talking about more than anything else it, I love hearing you talk about this stuff more than anything else I love the the time that you've invested into this to really make it something else and I appreciate also like just the fact that you've gone forth and made it and like are developing it more um with some of the the visuals you've provided with just like the covers alone I know with uh oh, yeah. I know with Animatropolis I mean former guest of the podcast and wonderful friend Cosmo Perry did the yeah. cover for Animatropolis, which I have to admit, first and foremost, applause for that one. That is wonderful that you were able oh, to yeah. for that one. Uh, 
I, I do have to make a slight clarification. Uh, Cosmo did the cartoon art. Right. The actual assembly of the uh, with with the the combination of background images and stuff that was done by by a artist. But uh, no, uh, fun fact: I actually have the covers for books two th- and three done, Ooh. and I believe I have the art asset for books four through six from Cosmo. I just have not been able to find. Uh, uh, I just don't. I don't have the money to be able to buy the cover. Uh, I'm I'm kind of an odd. Duck. I get my covers first because I am such a perfectionist mm-hmm. that if I have the story first, like this is my baby, and only the best, and I will find nothing but flaws in anything to represent my baby. But if I buy the cover first, I don't have a story to necessarily go with it yet. Um, and so the cover art is amazing. My baby must be good enough having this cover. <laughs> and so that that's actually like part of my process. I get the covers done first. Um, and I actually have a third universe that I'm working on. Uh, and it's, yeah, I'm writing a cozy mystery series. Okay. Um, it's, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's like, there's no cursing. There's very little violence. It's very, it's murder. She wrote, but it's about running a bed and breakfast. Uh, um, you know what? Fair enough. Valid. I'm already yeah. intrigued with hearing what you got to do with that one. I've just been amazed with like, especially the books you've been able to develop and all these concepts and whatnot. It gets me excited for what you're going to be producing next, especially hearing the fact that you've already got essentially six books lined up for Animatropolis. But on top of all this stuff with the writing and on top of the stuff that we talked about with the video games and whatnot, you found another, I don't know if I call it a hobby at this point, but I mean, let, I, I still call VTubing a hobby because it does not pay the bills. You know, fair um, enough. The moment that, um, I would love it to. I would love content creation to be my job. Um, as such, I am still looking for work. Uh, I got restructured out of my last job uh, right before COVID hit. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why I threw myself into Twitch streaming. Just because uh, I am kind of a shut-in. Um, I, I do not leave my house that often. And it allows me to have some form of social contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allows me to know which day of the week it is. It's <laughs> um, helpful. It's very helpful. Yeah. Um, but you know, like you know, it, it, it gets me. It gets me a little bit that that I can I can I can work with here and there, uh, and 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 help out the bills what little I can because you know I got restructured right before COVID hit, mm-hmm. and I had been working because I'm disabled. Uh, I. I was working remotely already. Yeah. Um, and so when COVID first hit, no one wanted to hire anyone remotely because, oh, well, this is just going to pass in a couple weeks. And this, this is ridiculous. You know, like people were pushing <laughs> back against remote work. And so that happened for a while. And then people were like, well, we've already got everyone doing remote work, so we can't hire any more remote workers. And then it's like, okay. And now it's, well, we all want everyone to come back into the off. And I'm like, this is literally just how my life like that was the worst thing about covid for me is is everyone had to just live my normal everyday life <laughs> for a for a few months like up to a year and like it was just news broadcasts about how like this was the worst possible thing in the entire universe and oh god when will it end and i'm like like 
Dude, Food Network exists. <laughs> like, you can just watch, like, like, oh, pity, you don't get to go out. You don't get to go out to Red Lobster three times a week. Like, let me tell you about the time I forgot to leave my apartment for three months. Not because I, I was, like, I just forgot to. <laughs> like, like, that was honestly, like, the worst thing about COVID. Like, it did not affect my life in any way, aside from the fact that, like, I was going to leave the house even less than I already did. Um, but it's just how everyone else was treating what my life is like as if it was the worst possible thing in the that, that could ever happen to anyone and oh god what are we going to do if i have to stay indoors for another hour i'm like right. you read read a read a book i've written a few of them please put money <laughs> in my coffers oh no my children have to stay near me what am i gonna do like you expect me to stay in my house where my children are at <laughs> So let's get the V two V, shall we? <laughs> yes, yes, I, yes. I have, so, uh, I have to know what exactly drew you into V tubing in the first place, and what intrigued you to take a step into trying it yourself. So, uh, I when I first started streaming, I had a different account name. I was known as Pound of Flesh Zero for O, okay. uh, and I did face cam, like I did face cam, like like it would, you know, it was it was, uh, uh, you know. Uh, and, and the reason why I was called Pound of Flesh is I played Dead by Daylight, so okay. it was kind of a horrorish sounding thing. And, you know, I'm more than a little chunky, and so I have a few pounds of flesh to lose. So based on my performance in a DVD match, I would do exercises on camera. Okay. That was my gimmick. And I thought that this would allow me to feel a little bit more body positive and lose some weight while playing video games, because I used to be, like... Like, my, my joints are not that good. Uh, you know, back in the early 2000s, like, I was a competitive DDR player. Okay. So I was, like, rail... I was, I was not rail thin, but I was pretty darn close. Uh, you know, compared to how I am now, at least. Uh, what ended up happening was as I got uh, uh, horrifying body image issues instead. Um, and I, I didn't even know VTubing was a thing. I just wanted a, a funny little avatar. Okay. Uh, and... And what started it was, is I used to watch Buff Pup religiously. And I loved her little thing, her little puppy in the corner. And right. I thought, you know, I could do that. Like, like I could be entertaining. I could have a little character. It would allow me to, you know, like, like it, it, would, it would really allow me to kind of, you know, explore, you know, someone background in comedy. It would allow me to explore, you know, just, just different things. Um, you know, it, it becomes more performance art instead of just like, well, it's me and I'm on camera and let me tell you about me. You know, uh, being a character, I think, uh, gives you more freedom, uh, creatively. Uh, and so, uh, I actually contracted Buff Puff. She made my first model. Ooh. Uh, yeah, Buff Puff made my first model. Uh, if you, if you look deep in my clips, you might be able to find it, uh, uh, but, uh, I mean, it, 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 it was fine for what it was. It did not have a lower jaw. That was, that was the one thing about it that I, I wish that it had. Uh, and then eventually I'm like, okay, you know, like I was a Dead by Daylight streamer for a long time still. Uh, and the whole thing was like, you know, like I'm a monster playing as other monsters. And, uh, 
you know, while I have a great respect for the lore of Dead by Daylight and the world they've built, um, that game tilts me like it's nobody's business these days. I think it's kind of an unbalanced mess, and, um, you know, I, I, I want to love that game, but it, it became an abusive relationship. I became actively a terrible, spiteful person playing that game. Um, and, and I put it, and I put it down like about a year, uh, over a year ago. Uh, and I decided, okay, at this point I'm going to become a just chatting streamer because, uh, you know, I, I love just chatting streams. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I want to have a more one-on-one -on -one connection with my audience. Uh, and so I was inspired by streamers like Alabrel, uh, and others. Uh, and I, I, you know, like, okay, listen, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be becoming a just chatting stream. You know, my numbers took a hit because people did, but the thing is the people that I lost were the people who wanted to see the funny little imp get angry all the time. Mm -hmm. And those were not the people I wanted. That's not what I wanted to be. Right. That those weren't the people that like, I did not want to be the person that watched because, Oh my God, watch how easy to get salty. Um, you know, I wanted to be more chill. Right. Uh, you know, I ended up getting a new model. Mm -hmm. um, I, I redesigned my, my haunted home, as it's known, uh, into a slightly uh, different aesthetic. Uh, uh, what you're seeing now is the upcoming new model. Uh, th th that is the, 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 the updated one. Um, uh, the, the, the fun thing was, uh, you know, my when I was my, my first model, uh, I literally had a, like, I would sit behind a desk in this little lounge and and people would jokingly say, oh, you're in the Pound Lounge. And I'm like, no, we're not calling it that. That's it's a horrible name. Um, you know, like, I can't believe, why would you call it the Pound Lounge? That's horrible. Uh, but uh, I will say this in honor of of the uh, the, the read it, because it's, it's been the one thing when, when I did uh, my new model and my, my updated uh, Haunted Home, I got rid of, quote, unquote, the Pound Lounge because, you know, there was no need for it, you know, and especially when I rebranded as Faust. Mm -hmm. uh, people were like, well, you know, like, okay, so... Because it was one of those things, like, once I realized that, you know, like, okay, I'm doing the VTubing now, I'm doing just chatting, and so much of my stuff makes sense if you've been following it from the beginning, but if you were a new viewer, none of it made sense. Like, I'm a haunted mask, but I'm called Pound of Flesh, <laughs> uh, and I'm, and, and like, I'm just chatting with people, but there's all this Dead by Daylight stuff that I'm not using, and, you know, I'm a silly little guy, but it's called, you know, like, and once again, like, you know, once I was re-debuting as Faust, it's like, so I'm going to be called Faust the Haunted Mask instead of Pound of Flesh the Haunted Mask, but I'm going to be in the Pound Lounge, which doesn't make sense because it's not my name anymore, but it was actually something that was so, uh, uh, like, people wanted this so bad. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not joking, like, it was ridiculous how much people were upset that the Pound Lounge was gone. No. That, uh, that, uh, let me just do this, that, uh, in honor of the new... A thing I have made a karaoke lounge, and hey. we have re-brought back the pound lounge. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is where we will pound back a few drinks. There you go. And also, this is where I will be reading the Chuck Tingle books. <laughs> Stuff like, you know, pounded by the sentient manifestation of my Twitch stream, which is an actual book. <laughs> <laughs> that I will be actually reading within the next couple days. So there, the, 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 the Pound Lounge is coming back. Um, 
God help you all. I've brought back the Pound Lounge and I've decided this is your problem. Yeah, this is your problem now, everyone. I hope you get what you you wanted. I, I, Faust, I know I, I probably sound like I've shared you with a bunch of praise, but especially, like, your aesthetic and everything, especially now more than anything else, I fucking love it to the max. Like, your model and, like, your the aesthetic oh, you're trying to strive for. You. Oh. I I cannot get enough of it. The thing that I'm curious about is, obviously, like, you were, you know, previously a you know, pound of flesh or whatnot. You've transitioned, obviously, to, you know, the Faust character. This haunted mm-hmm. mask, like I said in the, in the beginning, possessed by an imp of mischief stories and games. What there's actually a lore. There's actually a lore video coming out soon. I've okay. just gotten the 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 recordings for it done. Uh, mm-hmm. I just need to assemble it, and it does tell the entire story of how this happened. And I go in because again, like you know, like I, I wrote myself horror stories, and I, I did my read stuff. So like this goes into actual like you know uh, uh, medieval demonology and stuff like that, uh, and it also explains why because. One thing that I love, like, I both love and hate in the VTubing, it's like, you know, like, I am the god of, you know, the, of, you know, you know like, I am the dark god from Twixt the universes, and I am an eldritch abomination that devours the stars. Today we're going to be playing Stardew Valley, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, I wanted to explain why you have this demonic thing playing video games and telling stories, and... Um, I don't want to go completely into the lore, but it's it's because again, like an imp is kind of like the smallest of the demons. This, right. It's 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 a little tiny guy. Like I I don't I do not want to have infinite power. I don't want to be a dark. And that, if you guys want to play as dark, that's awesome. I love I love the power fantasy of that. Yeah. I love the idea of being the underdog who is so scrappy and it's like like is just the thorn in your side that you can't get rid of that that to me is like my favorite character um uh, uh and, and that's what i wanted faust to be it's like he's an imp okay. who, who who kind of broke out of hell is 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 managed to kind of sneak under the radar and uh is actually the uh uh i, I will i'll give this a little bit of a lore uh drop uh is is actually the spawn of an uh, of, uh, of a demon uh that was made popular, I want to say, in the 12 to 1500s, called Titavillus. Mm. Uh, is, it, Faust is not Titavillus, but Faust is the spawn of Titavillus, who is the patron demon of scribes. Okay. Um, the patron demon of scribes, what they do is they can take the words from gossip, uh, letters and words from gossip in the pews, and mumbled sermons from the pulpit, take those words, deconstruct them, and put the letters into the works of scribes where they do not belong literally is the demon god of typos okay <laughs> and this this is this is actual like 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 friends i want to say like franciscan you know like demonology like like this is a thing like you can look it up okay. uh this is this was a a thing from the 1200s and stuff um but yeah faust is basically the spawn is a spawn of Tavillus, uh and Faust was meant to be the demon that punished those who burn books. And so, uh, you know, my whole thing is like, you know, if you're destroying knowledge and trying to dash an ignorance in the world, that is one of the worst things I think that anyone can do. And as such, every word that has been burned comes to me, and I have a library of ashes. All the burned. 
because, you know, book burners are the worst. And at the same time, everyone has a book inside of them. Mm. And if you are an outcast, well, I want to hear your story. I eat stories up. I gobble them up. They are my meat. So that's that's kind of like, you know, please come into my haunted home. What's your name? What's your story? I'm so I would love to eat. I'd love to hear your story. It's a little bit. It's a little bit fake. Or you know, like, welcome to Starbucks. Can I have your name? <laughs> <laughs> I. You know, I should say that I'm surprised with how much you've invested into this character of Faust. But I'm also talking to the person that went all in with Arbiter Fabulous years ago. Yes, yes, so so yes. it doesn't surprise me how much you've invested into this character. And again, like, I, just seeing your screen right now, just seeing, like, again, the aesthetic of it all. I absolutely mm. love and appreciate all you've been able to do to put into this character. And, like, I, <laughs> go on. <laughs> Oh, I was about to say, like, I, I, I have, like, three great aesthetic loves, and I try to combine them in equal portions. Mm-hmm. I love, like, old Hammer films, like, you know, Vincent Price Haunted House films. Yes. Like, like I love Victorian homes, stuff like that. Big haunted scary houses. Um, I'm also, you know, like, I'm a child of the 80s. I love me some, some synthwave aesthetics. Uh, I try to combine art deco and synthwave as much as I can in my aesthetics. Uh, mainly because I'm shocked that more people don't, considering both of them are so heavy on geometric patterns. Uh, I think that those are two aesthetics that really should be getting used together more often. And the third is is more biomechanical stuff, like you'd see stuff like H.R. Giger. Um, I think that uh, that leads itself well into uh, uh, body horror through means of the Victorian aspect and also leads itself well into like 80s horror through the synthwave aspect. So as you can see, like, you know, like I've kind of got, you know, the, you look behind me, it's like, it is very obviously like, you know, a haunted mansion. Uh, the lighting is very synthwave, but you know, what the hell is going on on the wall behind me? Yeah. The wall flesh, it's the wall wood. Uh, it, it seems to be alive, you know, so that's, that's kind of, you know, that when, when I generated this stuff, um, you know, I am an artist. Uh, I will not deny that I have some uh, AI generating objects. I know some, uh, uh, you know, I know that there's some controversy around AI art right now. Um, I, I don't want to get into into the controversy. Like, as an artist, because um, I have been getting back into art, mm-hmm. uh, I will say this: I do not really believe. I believe that there are some ethical things that we need to address with AI art. But I do not believe it is going to be taking away anyone's jobs because in order for AI art to be able to take anyone's jobs from a client, that client would have to know what they fucking wanted in the first place. <laughs> and that has never happened of always. You know what? Fair enough. Thank God. Um, I do want to say I'm glad you did bring up the fact that you are getting back into art yourself and you know painting. Oh. Like that. that was yes. that was one of the things I wanted to say. Whenever I had had a chance to to catch your streams or whatnot, that has been one of my <laughs> favorite streams to, to see because you know, I'm I'm a person that loves and appreciate art. So seeing you actually go forth and try to you know get back into it yourself, what inspired you to start that in the first place, and how have you enjoyed the journey since you've gone back on this path uh, it's been it's been difficult i'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. part of it was you know i miss doing art for just the sake of doing art right. like I, I i miss just you know this used to be a thing that i did just for fun mm-hmm. um and and 
I wanted to get back into it. And the thing is, is I had a bunch of artist friends who were like, you know, that, you know, a lot of the new art programs and the art tablets, they have these things to help you. Like, because I get like a slight hand tremor and stuff or, you know, fingers go weak. And so it, it screws up my lines. And like, they have ways of compensating for that. And I'm like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah, like you could totally remit. You could totally like at least try it again. Um, and so uh, what I did was, let me see if I can find this. Um, it's on this. It might not be on this one. It's past art. Um, I'm going to send you personally a, uh, a thing. So this picture was uh, from February. This is the, uh, you know, you can pop it up and stuff. This was the first piece of digital art I ever did. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I remember from, from you know, art classes that I took in, uh, art studies that I did was never, if you are wanting to learn how to, and if you are wanting to learn how to do things correctly, do not draw what you want to draw. Okay. Um, you want to draw, like, you need to challenge yourself because you will learn something from every image you do. Um, and so what you do is, is, is you, you, you put yourself out there and you're like, listen, you know, oh, well, I want to draw, you know, like, comic. you need to draw human form. Um, you don't look up the poses you want to draw. Um, it's, it's one of the reasons why you do figure figure painting classes and stuff because you don't get to tell the the the, the, the model what pose they have to be in. Um, you know, I, I love cartoons, I love comics, you know, and I love I love doing stuff for other people. I open myself up and I'm like, okay, here's what here's what's here's what's gonna happen. Uh, if you tell me if you show me your character, I will draw you um you know you know like I get to do my interpretation on it because you're getting free art. Yeah. Uh but I, but I did a thing for my birthday, and I, and I done one of these before, and it, it you know it lasted a couple of weeks. But I said, you know, uh, you know, if you submit a character, you know, I'll run a randomizer. Week. You know, if you're there and claim the art, you know, claim it, I will do a, a color picture of it. But it, it, I get to interpret it. Right. Uh, but it was a way for me to like, you know, you know, you know, a variety of different characters. Some people are animals or humans are more anime some people are you know hybrids of things robots you know all, all sorts of things um you know you never knew what you were going to get at the vtubing um and so that was my way of testing myself of putting myself in the crucible of putting myself up against that that that, that big grinding wheel not having a uh not having a choice in my subject matter right um, and after drawing almost consistently for the better part of half a year, I've gotten a good chunk of my old skills back. So uh, at this point, you, you, I don't know if it'll be on screen, but you've got that first picture I did. Yes. And uh, I, I haven't really drawn much in the past. Uh, I did a self-portrait of, and, and I've always been most critical of images of my own characters. Mm -hmm. But uh, within a, within about half a year or so, uh, I was able to draw this picture of, I was able to paint this digital. Faust uh, that I just sent you, and I'm actually quite pleased with it, um, which is saying something. Oh, yeah, I saw that one recently when I was doing, like, my little research for you and such. Like, I fucking love that. Like, dead seriously. Yeah. Like, it's incredible. And, and again, like, that, like people are like, I can't believe you did that so fast. You, I had the skills, I just, my body, my hands don't want to listen to me. 
Right. Like I like I know how to do it. It's just the body the body was not willing, and I had to train it. Um. And so yeah, that that's that's been my journey. Like I treat art more as a hobby now. But I probably like, if anyone wants to commission me, feel free. But understand that I I do know what my stuff is worth, and I will be charging accordingly. Especially considering I am compensating for a disability while working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a it's been a wild ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I, I I I have a lot of personal goals that I want to take with Faust. Um, one of the things that uh, uh, it's kind of odd that some of the things that happened which in the news this week uh, happened because it was actually a decision I made a few days before that is I want to start branching out into more YouTube stuff as well. Uh, and this was not because of the, the, the recent revenue announcement by Twitch. Um, but one of the things that I used to do as a, as a creative exercise on my channel was these things called the stories from South Whispers, which technically uh, take place in the gear which you uh, what I would do is I'd basically pull the audience of like weird random questions, like things you don't want to see on a street corner at 3 a.m. <laughs> um, uh, jobs that you should not have while in class. Stuff like stuff like that. Like it was just like, here's something very weird. Kind of go like, okay, let me think about this for 10 seconds. And I just like write down what everyone, uh, you know, and then I would give myself about 20 minutes and I would try to formulate a story, not having anything to do the questions but with the list of items and fashion and events that were given to me i would try to craft a scary like a little like a little ghost story you tell around the uh and what i'm going to be doing is bringing that back once the re-debut happened okay um and i'm going to be you know refining the stories offline uh re-recording them and then putting those finished stories up on YouTube. Uh, you know, because, I mean, there's plenty of people who are like, here, let me read a piece to you. And I want to have a, I want to have my own little spin on that. It's, it's going to be like, yeah, this, this is my stuff, what I've done. Uh, and the best part is, is I can always take those finished stories, set them aside in a little folder, and once I hit like 100, you know, 100,000 words across them, I'm like, oh, look, I've just accidentally, and I could probably just release that on 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 Amazon or something. Oh, there you well, go. Like Tales of South Whispers Volume One. There, you, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That that sounds incredible. I mean, just thinking of like all these ideas you have planned. Think of just back on all the stuff that we basically talked about. All the different aspects of art that you've had a hand in one aspect for another. Thinking of your journey as a whole since you decided to go down this creative venture. Does it amaze you more or less how far you've come along? It does at the same time, like I, I am, I don't want to say I'm a perfectionist, but to me, like I'm one of those people that never gives anything a 10 out of 10. There's always room for improvement. Um, I want to like, I am happy with where my journey has taken me, but I'm not happy with this being the destination. I want to, I want to take this further. Okay. I want to make this, um, you know, I would love to be able to hit Twitch partner. There's a couple stream teams I would love to get the attention of and and be invited to join. You know, it may never happen, but it's a goal that I can work towards. Yeah. Um, you know, I would love to be able to, again, make, you know, because again, it's very hard. In this country, it's very hard to work while disabled. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I would love to be able to be in charge of my own career. You know, I would love to be able to get really back into my writing. Uh, I've been dealing with a massive batch of executive dysfunction lately. That's why I don't have a book out this year. Um, I, once I get over that, I'll probably pump out three or four in a year. Okay. Um, uh, but it's like, that's the hurdle I'm trying to get over. Uh, but actually working on the VTubing has helped me because it's been allowing me to be like, okay, I have a deadline, things to do. Uh, you know, if something else pops up that I need to work on, that's, 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 you know, that's a thing. Um, you know, it's been giving me projects that are creative, both writing, voice acting, um, you know, doing directions on it because, you know, I'm not doing all I, more videos of you know, other people, I have to direct them, you know, mm -hmm. to when I'm doing, you know, when, you know, if I have an audiobook, I have to approve the narration. Um, so, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's been a wild journey. I am happy, but I still think that I'm only on the first few steps of a much longer journey. Right. right. Um, I mean, and I, and I, yeah. I'll say it. No, I mean, as well as like, you could obviously like, Honestly, I feel like I, you and me are kind of in a similar boat when it comes to like just content creation stuff. Like at least for me, like I feel like, especially how far I come along with like this podcast and such, like I'm proud mm -hmm. of it. I am happy with everything that I've done and I cannot, you know, thank the people enough for helping me get to this point. But I also mm -hmm. know in the back of my head that, you know, if I was really like truly satisfied with this thing, I probably would have stopped mm -hmm. and tried something else. Like, cause I know there's a lot more to go. I know there's things I could definitely improve on. I know there's definitely opportunities that I can definitely explore to improve this stuff. And like for you, like you've only really, you know, scratched the surface with what you could potentially do. I mean, I'm talking to you like on the cusp of what's bound to be a cool re-debut with every little bit of a stick yeah. you got going on. And like, even then, like, you know, in the back of your head, Oh, there's so much more I'm, I'm eager oh, yeah. to do. Like, like I am still like my stream is still very much small potatoes compared to where I want it. No, oh, there you go. Um, you know, like you know, like like I would love in the next couple of years to hit Twitch Partner. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's it, you know, it's going to take time. Like, yeah. and that's fine that it takes time. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with waiting for. You know, I I, I have to put in the work, and you know, I have to figure out what works. I have to you know, because because the fact of the matter is is you know. You can't put all your eggs in one basket when it comes to content creation. You have to be able to diversify. You have to figure out what it is your audience wants. Right. Um, you have to be able to also be able to guide your audience like what, um, you know, it, 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 it kind of sucks, but it's like, uh, like my, my philosophy when it, it's my same philosophy that when it comes to my writing, uh, you know, the more that I feel content, the more I know that I have to switch it up. Um, every time I go to an, an editor, like, here's my finished, I love this, make me hate it because <laughs> it's, it's like, I love, I love this. Please make me hate it. Like, well, why would I want that? Because imagine how much I'll love it once I fix what I don't see wrong with it. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, for this next question, if I may, let you know, you said it's going to take a little bit of time to get to where you want to. So how about for this next question, I accelerate that time a little bit, if I may, okay. and give you more or less the dream scenario. Let's yes. say I am big shot Mr. Moneybags. I come up to you and I'm like, look, Faust, we know what you've been able to present and what you've got in the works and whatnot is outstanding, and we know that you need 
we think that you know we give you a little bit of a push and we can get you to where you want to be we have access uh-huh. to anyone and everyone in any art industry whatsoever and more money than there should be possible we could probably be fixing so many crises there especially around you right now but we'll focus on that in a little bit right now okay. is focused on you and you alone if given okay. this opportunity what would be the dream faust project Okay, the Dream Faust project, uh, I have only recently heard about this element of VTubing, uh, where you actually have like an Unreal 5 room, and you wear like a full suit, and like, you actually, like, how do I put this? Your VTube avatar inside of the room acts like a face cam avatar in a room. Oh, wow. Like, you actually have, like, like, there's, there's a, a, oh, I think Pumpkin Potion's about to do it. Oh really? Uh, okay. There's yeah. Um, there's. I'm trying to think. There's this one. There's this one uh, uh, person who's been doing it a lot. Um, okay. Let me let me let me find their name real fast because I, I did a media. Oh, thing. I was gonna say and, it was a uh, it was like doozy or woozy or something along the lines of that, wasn't it? Because I think. You- yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm scrolling back and I'm trying to find. Um. Oh, I can't believe this is so far back in my in my timeline at this point. Um, but yeah, like like they actually have been like teaching other people how to to make this stuff. I think take commissions for it. Um, there's no way that there's no way it's that far back. I was gonna say, correct me if I'm wrong. If we're thinking of the same, oh, person, uh, Woody, Woody Dabs, Woody Dabs, Woody Dabs, Woody Dabs. Okay. Yeah. I was around yeah. the same path. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like, like that's what he does. Like he actually builds, like it's, it's a 3d space. Like I would love to have an actual 3d, you know, unreal, like, like interact that I could be Faust within. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and at the same time, like, um, you know, perfect, perfect scenario is, you know, assuming, you know, I'm kind of over my, my executive dysfunction issues, like that my stream just becomes me writing my books, talking, just having a good time. Like, like I, you know, and if I want to have a game day, I have a game being in. I would like, I would like my books to be a way to get people to the stream, but I also want the stream to be a way for people to get to my books. Because I, you know, I would like, you know, me being able to tell stories on YouTube to be a way to get people I'd like my stream to be a way for people to leave stuff put on YouTube. I really have the to be able to make all sorts of different content, but primarily being the creative stuff that I want to do. You know, I want to do, you know, if I could just do painting on stream, if I could just do books on stream, books being the primary thing. Um, the thing is, I have to be very honest. Uh, I love my audience to pieces, and this is not a slight against them. Writing books on stream has never been very popular, as much as I would love it to be popular. Right. Um, you know, there are some people who absolutely nail that audience, and I'm a bit jealous of them, and I would not trade my audience in a million years. I love I love the people that come to my stream uh, repeatedly. Uh, again, this is not a slight against them. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's just, you know, there are some games that I love. They don't the channel. I don't play those games on my stream. 
you know, I, I would I would really love to be a a very interactive uh, uh, experience. Uh, I would love it to be where you know you know kind of uh, uh, you know kind of tales from sort of thing where you know you you just kind of we're just going to tune into Faust and we don't know what's going. It's going to be it's going to be it's going to be a little bit creepy. It's going to be scary. It's going to be certainly cozy and welcome because um, I I don't want to do like jump scares or anything. Uh, but you know like I I love that kind of Hammer films aesthetic and I love to be like perfect world. That's what I would be doing is is I would be you know really making a a kind of hammer films aesthetic place for people to just sit back and vibe and, and, and get politely, get politely frightened. There you go. That's a, that's a good thing to aspire for more than anything else. I mean, I, I would love to see that kind of stream someday, but sadly we got to get down from the dream scenario. We got to get back yes. to reality and I'll ask the ever so generic question. Where do you hope to see yourself say five to 10 years from now? Um, honestly, uh, this is going to sound, I hope this doesn't sound like, like way too, um, like off to, just, just financially stable. Like that's, yeah. it is, it is very hard to be dis- this country, uh, five to 10 years. My honest hope is I'm living in, uh, and I have, and I have, you know, and I, and I'm, and I have access to medical attention that, that is my dream. Like, like, you know, I would, I would, you know, I would love my books to be taking off in some way, shape or form. I'm not expecting, you know, massive success because I like to keep things very realistic. Right. Um, you know, perfect world. I'd have Danielle steal na- uh, money. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, Oh, oh! You, you think I'm joking? If you ever, if you did not know this, uh, you know, you know, big rich authors and people are like Stephen King and stuff like that. Like Danielle Steele is currently the uh, uh, author who has made the mo- the the current living author who has made the most money. Okay. Uh, I think she's like the third or fourth highest grossing author of time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. Respect. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like a lot of people are like, doesn't she kind of write that? Like, like, God, she's Danielle Steele's freaking amazing. Um, sorry, I went on a tangent there. You're fine. You're uh, fine. But like, like I said, like, 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 down to earth. I just want to be financially stable. I want to be able to support my family. Yep. Um, if that is through streaming, if that is through my books, if that is through just content creation, what have you, I don't care. I'd love to. You know, like currently, I'm trying to get back into the game and working on community management mm-hmm. anyone in the anyone in the gaming industry um i'm please reach out to me i have been looking for work for two years please understand i am disabled <laughs> it is, you know at this point it's like hire me because of that hey. like, like i'll tell like i'll take the freebie I'll take the I'll take the pity higher. Fair enough, but I mean, nevertheless, just that goal, as simple as you say, maybe or whatnot. I I genuinely hope that for you. That that from the bottom of my uh, heart, I genuinely do. Um, uh, as we start to wind down the interview, I just have one last question I want to ask. Obviously, oh you, 
obviously you've been deeply entrenched in art on so many different aspects for ages yes. now at this point. How yes. important is art, not just for you, but for the world as a whole? Art is, well, well, art is, 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 is necessary. Um, art is all, all communication starts with art. Uh, you know, the first language that we really spoke were paintings on cave walls. Um, you know, but beyond that, it was just gesturing, uh, with intonation. Um, you know, you know, the beauty of language comes from art. Uh, you know, without art, there is no humanity. Right. So that, that is, that is the long and the short of, um, you know, the, even if something is stripped down uh, from from all concept of design, uh, the fact that it is still appealing to the eye is art. You know, minimal. You know, people are like, well, you know, this this. You know, cause there's like a brand of stuff I believe called like no name, very minimalistic in their design. I'm like, well, minimalism is art. Yeah. You know, um, you know, every you know everything is art. You know. Things that go into the, the most basic element uh, of your of your daily life, you know, involves some art. It was involved at some point because art is the creative spark. Well, there you go. There you go. That is wonderfully worded, if I do say so myself. Um, Thank you. That, that is all the oh Jesus. Um, <laughs> that is all the questions Sorry. that I have for you. Um, I've already showered you with a whole bunch of praise, but I want to shower you with a little bit more because it's my podcast. I do whatever oh, the fuck I want. Um, <laughs> Faust. Ever since I have first been introduced to you, mainly through Sam, I'll be the first. Honest, that's how I, huh? you know, we got, I got to know you and not. Ever since I have yeah. gotten to first know you, I have been amazed with you in one aspect for another. Getting, you know, seeing the aesthetic you first presented with this Faust character, and whatnot. I absolutely mm-hmm. loved it from the start, and seeing how it's been able to develop more, I've been amazed more. Getting to really know more about you before and after this interview, like knowing the history you kind of had, knowing how much you've invested yourself and how much. Like as much as life has thrown several different fucking wrenches in your direction, you've been able yes. to persevere. You've been able to persevere and do incredible stuff in one aspect for another. It just gives me nothing but pure respect at the end of the day because you are doing oh. what you you are doing what you love and oh. you are doing a fantastic job doing cry. it. <laughs> oh, trust me, I'm not even done yet. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's just giving me nothing but respect, and I absolutely love just about everything that you've been able to do um and if nothing else i definitely want to divulge a lot more into your stuff i definitely want to read your books i definitely want to see the stuff that you've had a hand in i i appreciate and love what you have been able to do and if this is only like the start of your journey on the at least when it comes to the vtubing or whatnot what you're gonna do next afterwards or whatnot i am nothing but excited for long and short of it thank you for what you do i truly appreciate i truly appreciate and I, I just thank you. Thank you for everything. Oh man, thank you. Thank you. For, oh my gosh, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna <laughs> cry. Like I said, it's it's been it's been a hard journey because again, for those who don't, I'm I'm on the autism spectrum. One of the things that you know I was told when I was diagnosed at the age of 15 was that you know like well I would never really be around. Because, you know, when I was diagnosed, there wasn't as much known about it. 
Mm -hmm. uh, I was kind of just thrown into the deep end. Uh, and it's like, yeah, you're never going to really be able to work around people. And, you know, it, it was basically given to me almost like a, a freaking death sentence. I'm not going to accept that. And uh, it is very difficult. Like, obviously, like, like, like I'm, I'm going to be like, like, I possibly say, you know, like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm like, I know that there were aspects of some of my that rambled on and were a little bit awkward. That is something I have to live with every day. And that's fine, you know? But the fact of the matter is this, I threw myself into careers that directly involved working with the public because I I need it like I knew that I would never be able to master being neurodivergent, but I wanted to have as many skills in my toolbox as I possibly could. So like again, like what I said, you know, I worked at Olive Garden as a trainer. Like working as a waiter with autism is not easy. No, but it's not bust, busting Busting ass to the point where you start being able to train other people is like that was a super big highlight of my life. It's a super like you have to be super sensitive to social dynamics on the fly. Um, you know, you deal with a lot of sensory overload going in and out. Uh, you know, once I found out about community management, like I'm, I'm on the autism spectrum that it, I, you know, like I inherently have a disability when it's dynamic and I am working directly in social and working with communities and I am thriving while doing it. it is not at any point ever easy for me to do, but it was a challenge I needed to overcome. And it is seriously passion. You know, I am now VTubing to a wide and diverse audience. I am writing books for a wide and diverse audience. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not like, I'm not going to say that you know, like, oh, well, come your disabilities. You can't, you can't, but you know, it, you have to try to put in the work to be able to get, to get the tools in your toolbox that you need to make, to make your journey a little bit easier. And it's still going to be, a, but you know, you know, and I'm not saying everyone can do what I did. Right. One, you know, shows their struggles differently. But, and I just realized when I talked about rambling on, and I think I'm doing that right now. <laughs> I, once again, um, this is a podcast. I encourage rambling. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. okay, I just want to make sure, because I'm, I'm just like, imagine like we're Again, what the hell was that? No, I'm just. <laughs> but no, like, like seriously, like this has been the experience. Um, I probably should have had more coffee before coming on, <laughs> oh, just to make the neuroreceptors work a little bit better. Like, no, it's it's been a. No, I was gonna say, like, it, it, it's it. Look, is this has been a fantastic episode. You you brought the energy that I thought you would for this, and you brought the wonderful stories oh. that I really enjoyed for us. So there you go. Oh, awesome! Thank you so much. It's been an honor being here, and like I said, the the, the biggest thing about it that that uh, uh, freaked me out is the fact that like you got to meet Cosmo before. <laughs> I'm just as amazed I'm as you. So okay, jealous. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I want to meet Cosmo so. Be like, thank you. I want to. Oh, 
let me see what I can do about that, okay? I'll try to get oh something. Oh, my God. I think I got that. Oh, my God. I, I will cry. Well, how about before we really get to that, for those who may want to meet you and get a chance to really love what I've been getting to love, go ahead and plug your stuff for the people at home. All right. So my name is Faust. I almost said Pound Flesh because you got me talking about this. Uh, my my uh, my Twitch is uh, twitch.tv slash Faust TTV, um, all one word. So it's Faust Stiva. Um, uh, on Twitter, you can find my uh, live streaming stuff at uh, twitter.com slash Faust underscore TTV. Uh, my professional Twitter, which I do not there very often, uh, but that is at uh, or again uh, twitch.com or uh, Twitter.com uh, slash Arbiter Fabulous, all one word. Um, and yeah, that, that's that's generally where I talk more. That's more my... The, it's it's sort of a quasi-professional. But the Twitch stuff is, is all Faust on CTV. Uh, I stream Monday through Friday, uh, 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and yeah, that that's that's been my thing. I, I, I'm a variety streamer. Uh, we do just chatting. We sometimes just chill vibe. We play games. I write stories. I do art. Um, you know, I'm I'm very much a. You tell me what you want to say. I try to and put on a good show for you. There you uh, go. The only thing I ask is, you know, if you're going to show up, all I ask is please, please interact. Um, I, I I I work best when I know that people are. Okay. Well, yeah. Especially, I would like to hope that you know, especially if they're come up and seeing the the energy that you've been able to bring more than anything else. I would like to hope that the people who show up are having fun and interacting more than anything else. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> do you have any final words before we sign off? Uh, let me. Th- I was not expecting that. Um. <laughs> uh, buy my books. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm poor and disabled. I need. M- I'll be sure to link them down in the description below. I got you covered. <laughs> Sorry, I, wa- I want to say something witty and, 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 and mindful and inspiring, but, like, I'm sorry. I, I, no. I, Look, I'm poor. Long and short of it, buy their books. Buy Faust's book. Buy their books, all right? <laughs> if, you, if you want, if you want, uh, if you want a, a good urban fantasy series that, uh, where the main character sort of like, what if Peter Quill that is star lord you'll like the you'll like the gear witch investigation books uh if you want to read basically john crossed with rabbit that's animatropolis ones uh out i i was about halfway done with book two and i realized i i not liking where restarting it okay uh, but it shouldn't take me too long once i get over this this mental hurdle which i've been fighting for here uh but i'm i'm about uh, and if you like uh, cozy mystery Give me some time, and I'll, I'll, I'll have the, uh, uh, I'll have books about, man, uh, about a, a man who, uh, whose first name is freaking Parsley. So there, there we go. So, <laughs> well, I'll let you take the time to make those masterpieces to works. Until then, all I have to say is for the people at home, hasta luego, amigos.
I'm going to genuinely mean it when I say it this time. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of this episode. I know with some of the technical issues, I, I certainly tried editing as much as I can with it, but I sincerely hope you still did enjoy. This was still a fun conversation with Faust. I, the way that they just went off on certain conversations and the, the details that they gave or whatnot, I, I fucking love it. Um, Despite everything, it was still a really great episode, and I was honored to have Faust on this podcast. Um, which, for people that are paying attention, I'm sure you may have noticed that this is episode 99. Ooh, what could that potentially mean? If you do your numbers right, it means the next one's 100. <laughs> Believe me when I say I got something big planned for 100. Uh, I think I recorded it at the time that this is being taken care of. I recorded it last weekend. And it is... I got something special for you guys. It, it, it's going to be a fun episode more than anything else. I, I'm just... I'm thinking more and more about this journey and the fact that I've gotten this far. The fact that I'm able to have an episode 100 blows my mind. But I'll focus more on that next week. Because I got a lot to say about it. Um... Which means, sorry, I had to take a break from the Halloween guest. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, we'll do 100 next week, big old celebration or whatnot. And then I got something very, very, very big for you guys for 101. So in fact, that 101 is going to be right before Halloween. So I think what I got planned, I think it'll more than make up for it. Uh, but until then... I'll just say for now, be safe out there. Be like genuinely from the bottom of my heart. Like the, the times are weird right now, and people are going through a lot. Just look at the animation industry. Um, I genuinely mean just 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 be safe out there, people. It's 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 scary times going on, but. I feel like at this point, some of us, a good chunk of us, have probably gone through worse. I'd like to hope it, it, you know, I, yeah, honestly, yeah, just, just please be safe out there. You're doing wonderful with what you're doing right now. Keep up the awesome work and just be safe.